we're recording. I might leave this in. Hello and welcome to How I Met Your Friends, a podcast where we are going to discuss, discuss friends and how I met your mother. It just so happens that right before this, Kathleen made me laugh so hard that now, now, I'm, now I'm not sure I'm going to be able to continue with the episode. All right, so if you're just joining us for the first time, um, we're a podcast that talks about two shows that have been out for forever and a day so unfortunately there's going to be some spoilers although I feel like we have been trying to limit it to not just talking about things for the sake of talking about them but spoiling it I don't know spoiling it in a way that makes sense to what we're talking about right in the moment oh yeah okay Okay. yep that's that's pretty accurate so I am Julie I am in Portland Oregon soon to be uh, re-transplanted into Bend, Oregon, um, and joining me via Skype is... I'm Kathleen. I'm in Crooked River Ranch, where fi- where winter finally happened. Um, yeah, I know. I'm missing all the snow, but we might get some tonight and tomorrow up here. So, apparently... I'm getting a phone call from Texas right now, but apparently Bachelor got, um, like... 16 inches overnight. Damn. So if anyone's not familiar with the things we're saying, um, so Portland is in the, like, north of the state of Oregon, literally on the river across from Washington. And Crooked River Ranch, Bend, Redmond, that whole area is about three hours south, southeast from Portland. It snows a shit ton down there, and whoever complains about it, if you live there, I don't want to hear it, because you live there. Like, da-da-da-da, you live there. You can complain um, in the I- moment, but the whole, like, it needs to stop snowing. No, actually, it really doesn't, because it's going to be a super dry summer no, no, if we, we don't get... We need, need all, all the snow. So, um, I don't know if you saw, Alicia went to Newport this weekend with her sisters and did the Newport um, uh, Food and Wine Festival. And she just posted a picture coming back over government camp, and the, and there was a landslide this morning on Saniam. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, everything like kind of about an hour south and east of Portland is getting snow dumped on it, which yeah, you guys know how to handle. You're prepared. It's all good. We are not. If it snows tonight and tomorrow, the city is gonna freak out. Well, you'll be fine. You have studded tires. Um, yes. I'm actually surprised with how much snow we have at the house because we are at a much lower elevation. But, I mean, it's it's coming down. It hasn't stopped snowing since I made the coffee this morning. Oh, God, I miss it so much, Kathleen. You have no idea how much I would love to be there with you with a book <laughs> With, like, a pretend fire on the TV okay. or, or sitting in the bed with you with, like, a fire on the laptop and we just are reading okay. our books. Yeah, we could do that because I actually have a Blu-ray fireplace that <laughs> Trevor's dad gave us one year. Do you really? So there's fireplaces at my aunt and uncle's houses that I'll be staying at. I get a fireplace all to myself in my side, of, my wing of the house. I'm very excited about it. Uh-huh. Yes. Um... So, do you have any other news you want to share, like, since we last spoke? Um, We're actually recording this, like, four days, two days before we normally do, so I feel like I can't go, how was your weekend? Because, like, it's still freaking Sunday. 
it's still the weekend. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, my weekend was pretty good. I, uh, actually, I don't, didn't really do anything. Yesterday, Trevor went riding, and I, oh, I was painting. I was painting at the house. That's right. You're still doing <laughs> the, the fix-up of the original paint job? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yesterday, I packed up some of my stuff out of the kitchen, which felt good. Um, I worked on my website because I'm getting it updated so that I can work on securing some more freelance clients when I get to Bend. Um, so, yeah, if anyone who is listening to this... Um, knows of independent authors or small publishers or pretty much any business that's looking for an editor, please, please let me know. Um, she can even do the boring stuff like pharmaceutical text. This is true. So I was a pharmacy technician for five years. So if you have like HIPAA stuff that needs to be edited and you have like, you know, something that has drug names in it, like... I know those names. Um, what was the other thing that I was like, oh, if you need agricultural or real estate reports edited, I can do that. I know so much about almonds and pistachios. <laughs> Hashtag get Julia job. Right. Um, so all joking aside, I do have some things that I've already applied for. And obviously, like, I'm just really excited to get moved and figure out either working remotely for, you know, a couple different companies or finding something on site in Bend. Like I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm open. Remember my word? I'm open. Yes, you are. Yes. I can't wait until we can take a picture with our little bracelets together. Me too. I know. I'm very excited. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and talk about our episodes because I mean, that's what the people are really here for. Sure. <laughs> so, um, we are covering episode 21 um, on Friends. That is called The One with the Fake Monica. So, it opens with the gang at Monica's apartment and someone has stolen her credit card. And her biggest concern is that they are so reckless in their spending. It's her money, except I know that's not how it works. And Rachel points out that she only has to pay back the things that she actually purchased and anything that she can show wasn't hers is, you know, not her responsibility. And Ross says, I think anyone who's stealing your credit card isn't worried about being reckless. And then Chandler goes, who's the loser who bought a $69.95 Wonder Mop? And Monica's like, that was me. Okay. I see why that was funny, and I see why they did it, but how could Chandler not know that that was hers? <laughs> he says something like, what a nerd, or something. Yeah. Um, and we have not yet seen the Wonder Mop, but it actually is going to come, it's going to be used in two different episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway... The main thing that, like, comes up of this, or this opening scene is that Marcel won't stop humping things. So, he has, like, humped people and inanimate objects all over the apartments. And Ross says it's just a phase. Like, he'll grow out it. And Chandler says something like, that's what we thought about Joey. (laughs) 
<laughs> which I do love. And I do then that. um he goes Marcel goes wandering into Rachel's room and she runs in after him like no bad monkey and sh- and she comes out and everyone's like are you okay and she goes why well, have a curious George doll that's no longer curious. <laughs> and if I remember correctly there's it's either it's not in this episode but it's in like another one or a previous one where she says I have a Barbie doll that will no longer be wearing white to her wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I think it's much later, though. Where they're they're talking about Marcel again somehow. Like, Marcel comes up. Anyway. So, later that night, Rachel wakes up, must be to go get a glass of water, and she finds Monica in the living room because she can't sleep, um, and she wants to talk about the credit card charges. And... Basically, what she says is that this other person, this fake Monica, is living her life. You know, going to the theater and, you know, buying the clothes that she wishes she could do and the art supplies. And Mon- and Rachel's like, you don't paint. And she's like, I would if I had the supplies. Um, I would go horseback ride. Or, you know, she has these reservations for horseback riding and this other thing. She's having all this fun and she doesn't have my mother. Right. Which is pretty... a huge selling point for Monica. (laughs) True story. Um, But, you know, it is one of those, like, this is... So I see this with... We were just talking about this on Best Prom Ever. Of Lily feeling like she's living not the life she wanted to live. Mm -hmm. And although I think Lily's has more to do with... I found my life mate and I can't do anything that doesn't involve him. Monica's has more to do with I'm broke in and my mid and, and mm-hmm, in my mid twenties. And I've always done the right and responsible and good girl things in my life. Like she is, she's a good girl. Yeah. You know, she's, she just doesn't do those things. Um, so yeah, I like, I like that we have these parallel stories happening in both shows, and I think there are things that you and I have had come up recently about... Oh, very recently. ...about what to do with our lives. Um, <laughs> These are the days of our lives. <laughs> so, uh, we go next to Joey and Chandler in the coffee shop, and they're, like, talking about Joey's last name or something, and he says, I need a neutral... Stage name. Huh? The stage, stage name. He yeah. says, I need a neutral last name. And Chandler goes, Joey, Switzerland? Um, but that, like, people aren't going to, you know, pick him because Joey Tribbiani is just way too ethnic. Which, I'm sorry, is so funny. Like, when we're talking in the 90s that something Italian is too ethnic yeah. for casting directors, etc. When we know, like, I'm trying to think of... There's a stand, I think she's a stand-up comedian and an actress, and I want to say she's on Orange is the New Black, but she has a very hard-to-pronounce African name, and she has this really cool talk about how when she was younger, she went by more of a nickname because she didn't want other people to have to struggle with saying her name, and then finally her mom was like, no, and now as an actress and someone who people are looking up to, she's very... Like, you will say my whole name. You will call me by the name my mother gave me. This is what it means. And it's a big deal. 
Um, I'll have to find it for you. It's really cool. Yeah. I'm just totally spacing on who she is. Well, and I mean, if you think about actresses and actors, Christina Ricci has a very um, ethnic, if you will, last name. Mina Suvari. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Those are the first two that popped in my head. But, like, well, those are not traditional white names. Smith, Johnson. It's true. And then... If you think about um, some of the people who have um, names that you would think are, like, really easy and, um, you know, got them a lot of, like, work, Natalie Portman. Portman's not her real last name. Yeah. Her real last name is, like, super Jewish and German, I think. And so, anyway. Um so he also says, I think I need to stop going by Joey. I need to go by Joe. And so this is funny to me. So Allison's husband, Joey, does go by Joseph at work and when he meets people for the first time. I can't really call him anything but Joey because that's right. how I was introduced to him. And so I just can't. But we had someone who kind of made fun of it and was like, well, that's a little kid's name and he's an adult. And, and like, anyway, I don't have a problem with the name Joey for an adult man. Like if that's, especially that's how you've like introduced me, I don't find it. But I did almost date someone who went by Bobby and he was already in his thirties instead of like Rob, Robert, whatever. And it bothered me. Was he fun, Bobby? friend's younger little brother is Bobby and he's always been Bobby and I mean I haven't I haven't done anything with him like hangout wise in years but I saw that he changed his name on Facebook from Bobby to Rob or something like that and I was like this is weird you're little tiny baby Bobby um I don't I think I'm okay with those names Joey Bobby Mickey. Actually, I don't know anybody named Mickey except my uncle. I guess maybe I would feel like if I had met Mike and he went by Mikey, I'd have been like, no. Oh, like, yeah. no. Mikey, Mikey just eats cereal. Well, and he even actually hated being called Michael, so I would do it when I was mad at him. Like, that was how I, like, full named him because I was like, Michael Phillip, and he would look at me and I'm like, I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he hated getting full named. So, Chandler says, um how about even joseph but basically chandler in his snarky snarky way and i find this actually a little bit mean convinces him that he needs to go with joe or joseph stalin it's a funny plot line it really is um (laughs) it's gonna get it's gonna get even funnier because there's like three or four easter eggs in this show that i'm if you didn't catch them i'm very excited to talk about but so, <laughs> yes. Um, next, we find Monica up in her apartment. The girls come in. She's on the phone. She's calling to confirm a dance class that she purchased and finds out that it's a tap class. So, basically, she's going to go and she's going to try and find fake Monica. Yes. So, Rachel and Phoebe go, too. So, they're hanging out by the door and the dance teacher, who is very intense, <laughs> is like, you don't get to just 
hang out there. You need to dance. And she's like, you dance. A dance class. And so Phoebe's like, okay, let's put on the shoes. I'm game for this. Monica literally can't do any of the steps. Phoebe doesn't care. She's all like, like very, like Earth Mother dancing. Very Phoebe. Oh, and so is her outfit. The long skirt, the white yeah. shirt or tank top, and then a chambray shirt tied over it. Oh, perfection. Such a good outfit. The clothes, just the clothes are my favorite part sometimes. But Rachel gets it. And I have to think... It, yes. This is her cheer background, too. Yes. Yes. Coordination. Mm-hmm. Timing. Yes. Being in front of people cheerleader because here's what's funny i can go to zumba and like hip-hop classes and stuff with jamie or up here and i don't necessarily get a lot of the hip rolling things down very well because my hips don't do that shakira was no no shakira was wrong my hips do lie (laughs) um no your hips just don't know what they're doing they're not lying that's true they're just (laughs) they don't understand (laughs) But I can, I can learn the steps well enough that about three or four classes in, I know what we're going to be doing. Like, See, and I'm totally the opposite. Even though I was in show choir, I very much need to practice all the steps on my own. And so, and I, I don't know, I, I'm saying this because to me it makes sense, but I'm blaming it on being left-handed because we see everything differently. Yeah. So when... When somebody is standing in front of me and I'm supposed to mirror them, my brain, they're doing something with their left arm, and so my brain wants to do it with the right arm. I don't know if that's actually it or if I'm just ridiculously uncoordinated, but I struggled so much with um, actual steps and dances, and I still do. Yeah. Um, so, let's see here. So then they're forced to partner up. And Monica is left out. They do a little Rochambeau or whatever, and Phoebe picks Rachel. Or they do the eeny meeny. Eeny meeny. Yep. So Monica is left out, and she's just like, oh, high school all over again, or gym class all over again, something. And she ends up having to dance with the instructor, and then all of a sudden. She says, why don't I just get in my underwear now and have a nightmare? Yeah. <laughs> this crazy woman comes running in. I'm, I'm late, but I'm here, but I'm here. By the way, the the physical features of the fake Monica that we're about to find out is so me. Like a little heavy set, a little spastic, the curly hair that we didn't Can always you know. Grow your hair out like that. I mean, I'm trying to get it longer, but sometimes when it gets longer it's just too much. Anyway. So she says, I'm yeah, don't do that. She's like, I'm Monica <laughs> Geller. And Monica's like, Hi, I'm Monana. And like <laughs> Huh? She doesn't actually say Geller. The fake Monica doesn't? Okay, thank you. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. She's the only, I mean, they definitely let it up to her being the imposter. Um, so then we see Ross coming into the coffee shop. He does his signature Ross, hi. Which is just so sad. And then, uh... He tells the boys that he took Marcel to the vet, and it's not just a phase. He's reached his sexual maturity. And I love this part. Joey looks at Chandler and goes, hey, he beat you. (laughs) I loved it so much. 
whenever it was kind of a slam. It was it was kind of like I mean it took a while, but it was a return yes. slap from the uh, apartment. Yes. So yeah, I love it when Joey zings somebody. Um, but Ross tells them no if he's not like if it's not taken care of. Basically, he doesn't get some monkey loving. He's going to be aggressive and violent, and I have to give him up. So we cut away and we cut back, and the guys are sitting on the couch, and each one of them has their hands in a different position, but basically they're the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, which is, you know, and usually you see monkeys, like, doing it. Yeah. Um, And so they're just like, Ross, this sucks. Is there anything else, you know, you can do and he's like no I really can't keep him I have to figure out a way to get him into a zoo you know is like I just something he's asking and Chandler goes no that's how you get a Pope's in a Volkswagen so here's what's really he funny says, he says how do you get a monkey into a zoo yeah he's Chandler's like no that's Pope's into a Volkswagen so here's what's funny. So I'm in a bunch of the groups or um, like Facebook pages that are about friends, like diehard friends and, you know, right. friendarinos and all these things. And a lot of the people that are in those groups are non-native English speakers who are like seeing the show because it's on Netflix or however. But someone asked that exact question the other day where they were like, "Did they, is there any jokes that people didn't get in the show? Mine is Pope's in a Volkswagen. And I was just like, and I couldn't remember that, that I didn't remember that this is the episode and we were going to be talking about it. So as soon as it came up, I was like, oh, that's right. And so Ross is talking about the different zoos that he's already been thinking about. And basically it's like talking about a child. Did your cat just like jump on something? <gasps> oh. <laughs> okay. Radley is trying to get at our attention so much that she just almost fell off of something. But he's talking about getting Marcel into a school the way that you would talk about getting a kid into like a university or in a zoo into a university. Yeah. You know, like we want this one school, but that's a long shot. And this school or this zoo in Miami and Chandler goes, yeah, but that's a party zoo. Um, so the girls come in and they tell the guys that they went to lunch with fake Monica and that they really liked her. And Ross is like freaking out. Like, how can you be, you know, basically friends with her? And all of a sudden Chandler scream, like yells out, take off their hats. And Phoebe goes, Pope's in a Volkswagen. She goes, I love that joke. Um, so it was funny to to see some of the comments of people trying to explain it to someone who didn't get the joke originally of like because their hats are so tall. Like it was a re- it was a really funny thread to watch. Um, so then we cut to the apartment and it's fake Monica, Rachel, and I'm just gonna call her this Monana, like hanging out making food. Um, telling a story about how they snuck into a hotel to see a basketball team and then got kicked out. No, no, they snuck into a hotel for, like, the part, like, whatever event was happening downstairs, like the bar mitzvah or wedding or whatever. But they said that they were so-and-so from room six-whatever, and then they realized the whole sixth floor was a basketball team. Okay, yeah, right, and, yeah. And so Rachel is like, well, as, you know, as fun as this sounds, I get to go serve coffee to people. And so she has to go to work. So 
I can't do it. Monica and fake Monica are talking and fake Monica is like, Oh, clear your schedule. We're applying for the, or we're auditioning for this Broadway show. Like it's cats and we're going to sing memories. And, um, Monica's like, yeah, I can't do that. And fake Monica goes, is this because you're Amish? And so basically she thinks that between the, the name Monana, which they've basically been like, Oh, it's Pennsylvania Dutch. And the way that real Monica acts she thinks that she's Amish, like, grew up really sheltered. And um, real Monica asks her, like, you know, how are you doing all this stuff? And fake Monica's like, well, you know, it was based on this movie, or because of this movie I saw, like, did you ever see Dead Poets Society? And she's like, yeah. And she goes, I hated that movie so much. And it made me think that if I wasted two hours of my life watching that, I better not waste any more time. And real Monica goes, well, then don't see Mrs. Doubtfire. Which, by the way, 100% wrong. I'm so offended. I can't even tell you. Like. She's not allowed to come hang out anymore. I love that movie with the fire of a thousand suns. I love Mrs. Doubtfire. So, I mean, I actually can't even watch Pierce Brosnan and James Bond without seeing him be the character in Mrs. Doubtfire, too. (laughs) (laughs) And then somehow... I ran across a video on Facebook. I was watching something else. I think I was watching something Friends related. And the next one that popped up was the scene in Mrs. Doubtfire where they're attempting all of the makeup. Mm-hmm. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find. Catch me a catch. It's just so good. My like, favorite is the um, cold cream mask. The, the oh. frosting. Hello! Um... And also, I mean, I'm sorry, like, I don't remember when Mrs. Doubtfire came out, I think I was probably a little bit older than, like, some of the intended audience. Oh, because Matthew Lawrence, the brother, yeah, the older boy, oh, God, loved oh, him. Love me some Lawrence brothers. Right? He's also the middle brother, just so you know. Right. Thank you. That's what I meant. I meant he's the, he's the, well, he's the middle child of the characters on the show, or on the movie, too. But at oh, the yeah. end... At the end, when Mrs. Doubtfire is explaining about divorced parents and having, like, two families and that it's okay and then there's love, and I'm just like, <laughs> like, I don't think I could actually watch that show right now without, or that movie. I would still cry. I will still oh, cry. I would be a big old mess of yeah. goddamn everything. So, um, Monica is wrong and Mrs. Doubtfire is everything. Um, <laughs> so, so Ross finds out... Uh, Ross finds out that Marcel didn't get into the Scranton Zoo, which I'm thinking is Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is where the office is. So that's funny to me. Okay. Um, and Marcel takes the news by humping one of the kitchen chairs. Joey comes in really mad (laughs) and says, did you guys know there is a Joseph Stalin? And he was some like Russian dictator and slaughtered all these people. And everyone kind of looks at him and he looks... You'd think I would know that. (laughs) He's so mean sometimes. So Joey looks at Phoebe and says, Phoebe, help me. I need a stage name. And she's like... Flame Boy. (laughs) I'm actually... I'm surprised that there wasn't an inappropriate joke after that. I am too. Okay. Um... But also, it does allude to, I mean, Princess Banana Hammock. <laughs> Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. Yeah. 
Okay. I want to be called a Princess Sophia, but that's the other movie. <laughs> I love that movie, too. So Ross is in the coffee shop, and he's interviewing a zoo person. And if you're not aware, the actor playing the zoo person is Harry Shearer, who vo- voices several characters on The Simpsons. So, um, I'm going to pull it up really quick because I meant to before we started, but I wanted to see who exactly he voices. Hold on. Um, so, come on, computer. Oh, no, my computer decided to stop working correctly. Perfect. What's his name? Harry Shearer. Oh, no, hold on. I got it. I got it. Okay. So, he is... He's Ned Flanders, he's Principal Skinner, he's Lenny, he's Mr. Burns, he's Kent Brockman, he, I mean, literally, he's like a half a dozen or more voices on The Simpsons. So, he's talking to Ross, um, and he's like, does Marcel fight? And Ross is like, oh no, you know, he's really docile, he's really nice, and he thinks it's because, like, the guy's asking him, is he going to get along with the other, like, monkeys or whatever. And then he asks Ross, like, well, can he handle a blade? How about a small hammer? And basically, through this conversation, you figure out, without him explicitly saying it, that he probably runs some sort of circus? No, he runs a fight ring. Okay. Well, yes. So bad. So all of a sudden, Chandler and Joey burst in. And they're like, he got into San Diego, um, we got back from our walk, and we got the call, and all I could think of, because I never caught this before, is, what call? Who Whose apartment were they at? They were at Ross's apartment? Like, did they take Marcel out for a walk? Like a dog? I, yes. Why? But then, also, I don't know, but then also, why did he... Don't answer his phone? Yeah. So unless it, like, the answering machine started to pick up and they were, like, heard the person and then it, it's all very confusing. So, the whole thing is not awkward. Yeah, a little awkward. So Rachel's in the apartment and she's pretending to kind of clean the kitchen, which is the way I clean too. Um, and Monica comes in. She's completely drunk. And it turns out she's never she didn't come home overnight, so she's been out, like, all night. And Rachel was worried. And also her work has called... And she hasn't been going into work. And she's like, I don't want to go to the work, go to work. I want to go to the Big Apple Circus. Like, I don't have to be Monica. I'm Monana. Yeah. So, I don't, yeah, I don't love this part. Um, Rachel answers the phone and it turns out it's the credit card company and they've arrested fake Monica. So, real Monica goes to see her in jail and she's like, how did you know I was here? And real Monica's like, I'm Monica Geller. Like, my credit card is the one that you stole. And she goes, I did not see that coming. <laughs> right? And so they have this they have this nice conversation. Um, but real Monica's like, you know, you taught me so much. I, I really enjoyed, like, being your friend, basically. And fake Monica's like, don't worry about it. Just go back to your normal life. Go back to being Amish. Um, you know, this is not the life for you. And real Monica's like, but you know, why can't it be like, I'm not Amish. And she looks at her and goes, then why are you like that? (laughs) 
And that, was, she's, but that's just it. Okay, so this is where we get, like, Monica is not, she's not a risk taker because she's never been, like, really allowed to be. You know, the way that her family brought her up, you know, they're probably what you would consider conservative. Um, you know, she was also, we kind of need to take into account, and I hate to say it, but it's still true, that she was fat. Yes. In her formative years. And if you... scared, intimidated, timid, Mm -hmm. didn't want to do any of those things because it would have been painful physically and emotionally. Yeah, and it really opens you up to people having even more reasons to, like, mock you. Um... And yeah, not having been, like, really heavy in high school in those formative years, but still being the heaviest person on, like, my cheerleading squad was rough. Because it still was, like, out of all of these girls, like, I'm still the fattest. And you weren't. No. You weren't. I really wasn't. I mean, anyway. So, um, I kind of wonder why they never let Monica like explore that I mean they joke about it sometimes later in the series that they're like that she even jokes about the fat girl trapped inside of her she's like I never let her eat (laughs) and it is it's I I mean because if you let the fat girl eat right she has I've I've never been what anyone would call big but I've definitely had like body issues of my own um and when you start to eat emotionally you're going to continue to eat emotionally and I think that's really what she meant like I never let that Monica eat um you know if this show was remade now every single one of these characters would be in therapy oh hell yeah and they would do themselves the favor of going to group friend therapy (laughs) right (laughs) no it's true yeah it's totally true um so Monica decides to go to the tap class um, the instructor is like, are you in or you're out? And she's like, I'm in. And she comes in and she's, she, she's still not getting the steps right. But she, and the instructor calls her out. She's like, you in the back, you're not doing it correctly. And she says a thing that I'm going to try not to get all verklempt. She goes, at least I'm doing it. And I think you and I have worked on this quite a bit. It's the whole, like, I don't love the phrase fake it till you make it. I like more of a thought of keep trying until it like until it works. I don't like fake it until you make it. Don't fake being happy if you're not happy, but try being happy to be more happy. And so this when she says at least I'm doing it, I'm just kind of like oh, I love it so much. I did get goosebumps when I was watching it. Yeah, I was like, "Oh." So, Ross takes Marcel to the airport. Um, and everybody but Monica is there and everyone kind of says their goodbyes. Phoebe writes him a poem and says, don't eat it until you get on the plane. And then Rachel says, I got you this, you know, it's like a stuffed monkey. She's like, I got you this, you know, something to do on the plane. (laughs) She throws it in his cage. And so Ross starts to try and say goodbye and Marcel starts humping his leg. And he's like, we'll just take him away. And so they load him up into the little carrier and he takes him away. And Ross is just, I mean, Ross is just heartbroken. 
He's just, he looks like he's about to cry. As you would if your animal had to go away. I agree. I just think it, man, It's also should, weird because it's a monkey. Yeah, should not have had that monkey in the first place. No. Um, so, uh, we cut to the very last scene, though, and it's Joey at an audition, and he says he's, uh, trying out for the role of Mercutio, which means he's trying out for something in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, he I was the understudy for Mercutio my sophomore year. Yeah, you were. And he, they're like, your name? And did you catch why this was funny? I did, because, but I can't, it was like, it was a, it was a penis reference, but now I can't remember what it was. Hanging. It's no. Holden McGroin. Yeah. It's a Simpsons reference. Oh. It's a Simpsons reference to all the times Bart calls Moe's bar uh-huh. and says, can I speak to Hugh? Hugh direction and then yeah. Mo would call out the name and then you put it together and it sounds like huge erection right which I get I didn't I didn't put the two together that it was um a direct Simpsons reference but I'm pretty sure that I, it is oh well I mean and also just any any name like that yeah definitely was a joke against Joey because you know he didn't come up with that on his own oh no Chandler probably told it to him, was like, oh, you should try this. Like, there's this other famous, like, Holden, well, Holden Caulfield, but that's from Catch or Catcher in the Ryan. I hate that book. And yep. then there, I feel like there is a famous actor over the years with the name Holden, so maybe he told him that. But you know that Chandler told him this, and Joey has no oh, idea. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, there's a moment when they're, they're holding the camera on Matt LeBlanc's face, and he actually looks like he's about to break. And laugh. He, I was so impressed with how long that went. Right? I was like, do it, do it, do it, laugh. Please just laugh. Please just laugh. Yeah, I have to figure the outtakes of that one are probably pretty good. I wish we could find them somewhere. I bet he went through a lot of different names and it wasn't just Holden McGroin. Right? Oh, I wonder if maybe they, yeah, they gave him like a list or they just told him to improv and see which one like made the cut. Oh God, that would be funny to think of. Okay. Um, well, so that's the end of that episode. Do we need to take a break? Um, I do need to go to the restroom. All right. All right. So we're back. We're going to talk about How I Met Your Mother, episode 21, which is called Milk. Um, real quick, quick, Kathleen, please tell everyone your feelings about milk. I love milk so much. Oh, it's not, it's not milk. It's mayonnaise. Sorry. It's eggs. Yeah. Fuck mayonnaise and eggs. No, I was thinking of someone else I know that really hates milk. Sorry, it's not you. I also, but I will tell you I have switched to almond milk for a majority of my actual drinking needs. Can you also say milk? Milk? Some people say it with with more of an E. Milk. Milk. Yeah, I think we've had this combo. Okay. Okay, so our episode opens with older Ted voicing over um, headlights on a road and he says you know life is like a dark road you think you know where you're going and then bam he's like it's your 28th birthday and so they're in the bar and they're getting their food from Wendy the waitress and he gets lasagna but also I feel like this joke has either been said or it's going to be said later talking about ordering lasagna in an Irish pub like you're just asking for a stomach ache for trouble yeah and wendy's like careful it's a hot plate and lily looks over at him and is like 
you know, basically, can I? And he goes, here, touch the plate. And she does, and she goes, damn, that's a hot plate. <laughs> um, And so then Ted goes, Barney, are you going to do it? And he's like, yeah, for your birthday. And so he goes to hit on this girl. Apparently, he's got the best pickup line ever. And that's his birthday present to Ted. And um, Marshall's like, no, this is stupid. Don't, don't do it. And Barney gets up and walks away. And under his breath, and I only really caught it because of the captions, Marshall says, Oigvelt. And I didn't look it up, but I thought it was really funny that he's basically saying Yiddish in what yeah. what has to be like a... It says Oive, uh, or Oive Istmir is a Yiddish phrase expressing dismay or exasperation. So I don't understand, because I've always ever just heard Oive. And it's yeah. like, okay, so in, in Scandinavian culture... I'm not sure if it actually comes from Swedish or Norwegian, but we have one um, that I'm sure you're familiar with from, like, other people, too. But it's Ufta. Yeah. Yeah, and it's basically just like, huh? Trevor says that sometimes. It's because he's from Wisconsin. I know. I know why. It's a very Midwestern, so my grandparents actually had a bumper sticker on one of their RVs that said Ufta. And it was a thing my grandma said all the time. And she was like, don't swear, just say that. I was like, okay. So my sister started saying that, I'm pretty sure she didn't say it when we were growing up. Like, after she moved back from Germany, she started saying that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, as far as I know, it's more Norwegian than anything else. Um, anyway, so, so Barney pretends... That this girl, he, he finds this girl and he says, sit down before you hurt yourself. You've, you've had a terrible accident. He tells Wendy to call 911. He starts checking the girl's eyes with like a little light pen, which is very doctorish. Which is very weird to have in your bar. But for Barney, kid. is it, is it weird? Oh, yeah. But now you say that and it makes it even worse. Right, because Barney's gross sometimes. So we cut back to the gang at the table, and they're kind of, you know, laughing. And Lily says, well, Ted, just think about it. It's just two years to your 30th. You know, that's a big deal. And Ted kind of um, flashes forward slash back to his 30th and something about a goat. He's like, but we'll get to that. And she's like, is your Tedological clock ticking? Which made me laugh so hard. Because as we have found out through various episodes so far, Ted is a girl. Um, Very much. Yeah, he's a girl. And uh, he's like, nope, I've, you know, I've put it on hold. So we flash back over to Barney. And no, he said he, he said he hit snooze. He hit snooze. That's right. He's hit snooze. Not worried about it. So these paramedics arrive. Um, he says, this girl fell. And she's like, no, I didn't. He's like, yes, you've had a terrible fall from heaven, angel. Ding. Oh, and he God. says so the ding. Bad. So bad. Here's the really cool thing. The paramedics. All fake. No, no. They're the co-creators of the show. That actually oh. is Craig Thomas and Carter Bass. Okay. Right? It's the only time you're, you ever see them on screen. Like, they're never in another episode. Hmm. But then Bernie starts this chant. He's like, give him your number. Give, and then the bar does it, and so finally she hands over her number. I say this with air quotes because I think Wait, she gave him you know, a, I think I she gave him a fake. Think. Yeah, fake number. Always have a fake number ready. Um, 
there was, do you remember that there was actually like a fake number line and then when you called it it'd be like oh bro right she gave you a fake number i think that works that would still work now because so many people's numbers don't match the area that they live in but i almost felt like at a time when like people had like i still have the same 541 number from living in bend and i was just able right. to transfer it to sprint and yada yada but, like, when I used to meet someone, they would be like, my number is this. I'd be like, why? Where are you from? Like, yeah. if someone gave me a number that didn't match the area code that I lived in, I'd be like, well, I'm not calling that. Um, nope. But so Barney says, you know, thank you to Wendy the waitress. Tip her kindly. Thank you to, you know, Troilus and Cressida playing at your local, you know, theater. So, yeah, the, the paramedics are not real, um, played by two actors. So, we go back over to the gang, though, and they're talking about Ted and his tetalogical clock, and he's like, um, you know, she's out there, I'm just gonna wait, basically, but he's like, I'm not picky, and everyone's like, uh, yes, you yeah, are. Right. So, he does, he has a list. Okay, now, before we go into this list, because it irritates me to no, to no end, there is a thought to having a list of traits and attributes that you would look for in a partner that are on a larger scale and therefore could fit a number of people but that are also compatible with you and by saying it or writing it down you're putting it into the universe like the secret and that's a good thing so our good friend well our good friends justin and stacy got married like six years ago and when I was at her bachelorette party um we did like a spa day and then we had drinks and and her best friend was like Stacy wrote a list of things that she wanted in a man and by the way I have that list and the friend like her best friend read the list and and everybody who knew the room also was like, oh, my fucking God. So, I mean, that shit's real. I mean, and it's not, it's not even just finding a partner uh, or whatever. Like, you know, you make a wish list for things that you want in a house. You make a mm -hmm. wish list and things that you want for your career. Yeah. And then you put it out into the universe and shit happens. Right. So, so the theory behind what Ted is doing is sound. The way Ted implements it in practical things is not because well, this is his list. I wrote it down. No, I know. And and part of me is like, yeah, he gets way too specific. But also, like, you need to be pretty specific with some things. You, like, you – I mean, Ted's list is impractical. Not denying that. But, like, you need to be specific enough. You can't just be like, oh – I want a guy who reads. Well, what if you guys read two totally different genres and can never talk? Right. So, anyway. But Ted is extreme. Please give me his list. So, attractive, college educated, wants two kids, a boy and a girl. A boy and a girl. Likes dogs. Likes Otis Redding. Does the crossword. Likes sports, but not so much that she's, like, her calves are bigger than mine because that freaks me out which I don't know why he needed to say that. Also, you can have muscles and still be beautiful. Right? 
Um, uh-huh. And plays the bass like Kim Deal from the Pixies or Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth. Basically any Kim from any band. <sighs> Ted. Ted, Ted, Teddy boy. We also find out in the car with Robin that it's much more in-depth than that. Yes, absolutely. Like, more more stuff comes up. Him. Yeah. They're like, okay, we get it. Right. Stop talking. So he says, so somebody goes, I'm never going, he goes, somebody says you're never going to find her, and he says that's right, so I've decided that she'll find me, and I'll let the universe take over, and fate will do its thing. And in that moment, fate is love solutions. So the next morning, Lily makes pancakes, Ted gets up first and is talking to her, and goes to wake Marshall up by opening the door and letting the smell of pancakes waft in. Now, Kathleen, should it work out that I come stay with you for a however long period of time, I would like to be woken up by the smell of bacon, please. Well, that's pretty much a given in this house. It can either be turkey bacon if it needs to be healthier. I don't know. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be that like thick stuff that Trevor got for Christmas from Wisconsin. But bacon in my life, please. <laughs> okay. We bacon every morning here. Thank you. Although Trevor is kind of stingy with it sometimes. Well, the other day when he made me breakfast, he gave me one. And I was like, dose, por favor, dose. because we were out of bacon. Like, I know. he made the last of it. I know. But I was still just like, uh-uh, give me one more. I need, like, eight pieces of bacon, please. So, um... There, the Lily and Marshall are eating, and Ted goes in and, is, like, drinks the milk right out of the container, first of all, ew, and is like, is this milk any good, and then tries it and spits it out, it's totally bad. A handful of things that happened here. Number one, get a fucking glass. Mm-hmm. Number two, as it's going up to your mouth, you can smell it. Number three, you're a goddamn idiot. Right. Um, and Marshall goes, yeah, that got me yesterday. And Ted's like, why did you put it back? As he puts it back children they are children so lily's like don't worry i can buy more on my way home from work today and then marshall's super sad because this is the highlight of his day because unfortunately he works with barney and right now his life sucks a little so that day at work barney gets marshall up to his office and basically explains to him that he's been pranking this business guy across the way like in the next building over somehow his name is clark butterfield which is an excellent name and that he did something to Clark's sandwich and then Clark like spits it out super gross don't even want to know I'm imagining peeing on it or rubbing his junk on the bread I, I just I don't know I, what else I mean it could also be like shaving his pubes into it oh stop 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 I'm having flashbacks to some 90s movies that are actually going to probably make me vomit so we're going to we're gonna stop okay but he says this feud goes so far back i don't know who started it and marshall goes you did didn't you and barney's like yeah yeah i did <laughs> and so he wants marshall to be his executive mischief consultant and marshall says no i'm just working here to make money because i need it for the wedding and i don't want to have anything to do with this and so barney gets mad and basically like shuns him and tells his assistant to tell marshall he's not speaking to him child he is a child so we cut to love solutions calling ted and it's a guy and he's like it's bob something or other at love solutions we found you a match 
And so Ted goes in and is like, where is Ellen Pierce? And we kind of know that Ellen went off the deep end at the end of the last time Love Solutions was mentioned because she couldn't find Ted a match. Yes. But basically, this other company has bought Love Solutions. They're a big, like, textile company, and they're trying to diversify. So Bob is running it now, and he's like, I want $500 from you for this match. But then he gives Ted the profile so what and says look it over well so what i have to imagine is that her name is like x'd out or like it's a series of numbers and so he can read the profile and be enticed and then be like here's this 500 dollars." and so he reads the file and turns out she is perfect so here's how he goes over it and her face is blurred out but you can like see her body type so she yeah. does like dogs. She likes lasagna. Her favorite artist is Otis Redding. She loves, she plays tennis. This hadn't come up before. No. She reads Love in the Time of Cholera. She spends her summers in North Carolina. Again, didn't come up. No other she reference. plays the bass and she likes old movies. So now we've gone from like six or seven things to like ten. And so he looks at the guy. He's like, okay, set it up. And so then we're back at... Bernie in Marshall's office, and Bernie has sent for Marshall, and he says, try this latte. I can't tell if it's decaf. Marshall's like, it tastes fine. And he's like, that's what I thought. But then Butterfield did something to it, and he shows him this, like, picture. And Marshall, like, all, looks like he's about to vomit. And he's like, why did you do that? Yeah. He's like, because now you're in. Now, you you know, you, you have a stake in this. And so Marshall's like, you're executive mischief consultant reporting for duty. So Ted has the blind date set up. Now, is it really a blind date if, even if you've not met the person, you might know what they look like and you know a shit ton about their life? Isn't a blind date usually really like a friend of a friend or a friend of my cousin says you guys should go out together? Yeah, I think a blind date is more like less information. You may have seen a picture because your friend is like, hey, this is the person. You should go out with them. Or you can um, Facebook stalk them a little, but you're basically not being given their FBI file. Right. And, I mean, that's essentially what Ted got. He got all the answers to all of his questions right up front. Right. It's not a blind date. No, and I feel like that takes out a little bit of the fun of it. Good grief. So, uh, yeah, so Ted's waiting at the bar. You got there early. Um, Lily calls, so she's stranded in Dutchess County, which... Me, personally, I have no idea what that means. Nope. Um, she's got a flat tire, and she feels like she's the beginning of a very scary campfire story. And he's like, Lily, I can't come out there. I don't have time. And she goes, oh, Mr. Uh, what is he? Stranger on the road with a hook for a hand. And he's like, Lily. And she goes, yes, but you see my point. <laughs> and, like. so hard. Right? It's just so funny. So. Ted goes out to help her, takes a... Also, why does she not have AAA? Because I don't. I don't think okay, it's that common. Okay, but why does she not have car insurance that has roadside assistance? Because it's 2005? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, or 2006, sorry. I keep getting confused. It cost him $90 to get out there. I love Jeez, you. But that's a lot. I You would be paying me back, Kathleen. Uh, yeah, but I would first use my Geico roadside assistance. Right. Um. Thank you. 
Um, so basically Lily says, I've been having insomnia. I've been scared about the wedding. So I've been reading. I've been painting. I've been playing Super Bomberman. And she set the high score. And Ted's like, that was you. So she tells him she applied for this art fellowship in San Francisco, um, which conflicts with the wedding. So she's not going to do it. But the interview was that night in New Haven, which I'm guessing you have to pass through Dutchess County to get to New Haven, Connecticut. Well, I see this. There's a sign in the background that says New Haven so many miles. Yeah. And I get all confused because of how, like, where New York actually, like, don't ask me about anything on the East Coast. I have no idea where anything is but Florida. Mm -mm. I cannot help you with New England. Like, I know where Maine and Florida are, and that's about it. And Rhode Island. And only one of those I would ever go to. Florida. No. <laughs> I'm never going to oh, Florida with you. I would go to Maine, too. Also, how are you going to go to my 40th birthday at the Magic Kingdom? It better be a time when I'm not going to get eaten by mosquitoes. I'm telling you this right now. There will... My birthday's in April every year. I know, but even April in, like, Florida has to be kind of hot, right? We'll figure it out. Know. We got some Whatever. time. We got some time to plan, kid. And, and I'm pretty sure what I really meant is we're going to... Paris Disney. So, <laughs> okay. What was I even thinking? I know. Um, but while she's explaining this and, and Ted's listening, he looks at her and he goes, you don't want to get married. And she's like, no, I do. I just wanted to apply. And he's like, but why not find one in New York or like the, you know, the cultural capital of the United States. You're telling me you couldn't have found an art fellowship here. You wanted to because San Francisco is that far away and basically what I wrote down is San Francisco equals you're having second thoughts. Well, yeah, and I guess that's, I mean, I can see where his head is, but I can also see where hers is. Like, we just had this last episode where she says, I haven't done all these things that I wanted to do. And so whether or not she gets in, I can see her wanting to try. And then let's say she gets in and has an adult conversation with her partner that she does want to marry, which maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but yeah. you know, a lot of things could be sidestepped by, I mean, she just wants to try and there's no, there's no harm in trying. I think it goes back to exactly what Monica was saying in the dance class. At least I'm trying or at least yep. I'm doing like, I don't fault Lily for the application or even going to the interview. I do fault her for not oh. talking to Marshall. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? She doesn't even have to talk to him before. She just has to be like, Hey, I did this thing because I wanted to try it and I did or did not get in, but this is where I am now. Yeah. So she says that the flat tire is a sign not to do it. And I can't tell if she means a flat or a sign not to go to the interview or a sign not to do the fellowship, like if she gets it. So either way. So Ted's trying to console her and, you know, he's like, marriage is big. And she's like, yeah, but why isn't Marshall acting crazy? And so then we flash to Marshall and Barney with a whiteboard and a plan to ship a hundred mice to Butterfield. Yeah. Which is a little crazy. So Ted changes the tire and Lily says, I want to do this. I'm going to New Haven. I'm going to the, to the thing. You know, I have to know if I could have gotten in. I just have to know. And she's like, and it'll be an adventure. And he's like, or a mistake. And she says through this big, long tirade, but basically she says, I've made no mistakes. You know, I'm with the partner I'm supposed to be in. I'm doing the career I should be, which... You know, she's a kindergarten teacher, which while is a noble profession, 
doesn't seem like it's her passion. So that's not great. But she, in this sense, Lily, for right now, is so Monica in I've done what everyone told me to do, which was go to school, find someone, settle down, get married, buy an apartment. Like, it's done. Step by step. Right. And, and she did exactly what she told Scooter she wasn't going to do. You know, Scooter said, I'm going to go to umpire school. You're going to go to college. We're going to get married. We're going to move in my dad's basement. Like, she's on Scooter's life plan, not Lily's life plan. Right. So, uh, Ted is still trying to talk her out of it, and she gets in the car and she drives away. (laughs) And just leaves him. Which I kind of would have done, too. No, I loved this because, like... Maybe when the flat tire happened, she was having second thoughts about her second thoughts and was like, I can't do this. But then another vehicle showed up and she said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna. I gotta, I gotta try it. I gotta do it. I gotta do my thing. And then she did. Yeah. Um, so Ted calls Lily and leaves her a pretty angry voicemail. He calls Barney and Barney says no. And he's like, but why are you out there? And Ted's like, apple picking. And he's like, no, I'm stuck at work with Marshall. And Marshall's like, I'll come get you. I'll grab the Fiero and come get you. And Ted's like, oh, no, I was joking. I'm not really in Dutchess County. And don't come get me. Also, Marshall goes, that's the prank. That's terrible. But let's say that Ted was smart enough to figure the rest of this out and be like, no, the prank would be that when Barney got there, I wasn't. So there's some logic to it. Yeah. So Barney's kind of playing with the mice. They're all over his arms and he and Marshall are talking and Marshall's like, you know, this is pretty fun and I bet you they don't have this much fun over at the NRDC and maybe I'll stay here after graduation. And then Tracy, the assistant, walks in and is like, I'm leaving. Have you guys put holes in that box for the mice to breathe? And they were like, we were just going to do that. Oh yeah, that's a brilliant idea. And they look at each other, and Barney's like, were you going to think of that? And Marshall's like, no. No. I don't think the mice actually would have suffocated. I'm pretty sure that air can get through, like, the corners of a box. But then again, let's not. No, no, that's not enough for that many mice. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no. I mean. I I, I will tell you as the reptile store expert, (laughs) not enough holes. Okay. So, um, anyway, we're back. Uh on the roadside with Ted and this van pulls up and you realize it's Robin and she's like, you want to get in my car? And Ted goes, I don't, I was told not to get into cars with strangers. And she goes, but I have candy. And he goes, candy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny. Uh Oh, Oh, okay. So totally not related except for this part right here. Do you watch, um, Grace and Frankie? No, I've seen a couple episodes with my mom, but I don't watch it, like, consistently. It's so damn good. Right. It's so good. Anyway, um, uh, Frankie, who is, um, not Lily Tomlin. Who's the other one? Oh, um. Anyway. Yeah, it'll come to me. Her son, who is adopted in the show... Um, gets punched by this teenage kid and the teenage kid is like, you broke up my family. And, um, 
anyway, it comes out that they are actually biological half-brothers, and he's like, oh, come on in, let's take a shower, not let's, not, not let's take a shower, but, like, you can take a shower because you just came from Louisiana or wherever the fuck you came from, and, um, I, you know, we can kind of chill out and bond, and then we're going to call your mom tomorrow. So, that happens, and he's like, oh, we've got some candy in the cupboard, <laughs> then, uh, Lily Tomlin's daughter, because they share, they share that, it's all convoluted, but they're all kind of like one family, especially because the dads end up being, um, mm-hmm. gay lovers. Yes. So, anyway, uh, Lily Tomlin's daughter comes in and is like, what are you doing here? I'm supposed to have a house for the weekend, blah, 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 doesn't matter. Then all of a sudden, you see the 17-year-old coming down the stairs after he's had a shower, and he's got no shirt on, and he goes, where's my candy? <laughs> Oh my. And the daughter's like, I'm, you don't, please don't explain this because right now it's really good in my head. (laughs) Oh my. So that's what I was thinking of when I was watching this scene again. But I do love the way Ted says it. He says it very childlike. He's like, candy? Yeah, and that's what the kid did too. Coming down the stairs without a shirt after, he's like, I finished my shower. Oh my. Oh yeah. Anyway. Um, so, um, so Robin's wearing this cute little, like, knitted hat with little, like, ear flaps and strings, and he's like, you're not supposed to wear a hat indoors, and she's like, I'm not indoors, I'm in a van, and so she goes, I got highlights, and he's like, like, for your waiting room, and she kind of looks at him, and he goes, like, the kids make me, and she's like, no, I got it. <laughs> it, just, it just wasn't funny. Right? And she's like, yeah, I thought it would be fun, but apparently my colorist thought highlights meant I want to look like a tiger. Um, right. And so she's like, what about your, you know, big date tonight? Is she perfect? And he's like, yeah, she, you know, likes love in the time of cholera. And she goes, oh, boo, that book, it should have been called love in the time of don't bother Yeah. Which I didn't, I've never read it. I've heard good I've never read things, it either. But I've I think heard it's, good and bad. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's pretty long. So, you know. And they go back and forth, and he's like, let me see your hair. And, you know, they're kind of flirty, and he's like, yeah, she does want two kids, you know, a boy and a girl. Oh, did you catch what Ted name-checked his kids at when he... Luke and Leia. Luke and Leia. So Lily says to him, you can't tell Marshall this, you have to promise on your unborn children's lives. And Ted goes, I swear on Luke and Leia, no woman is letting him name her children Luke and Leia. It's Absolutely no, no, it's not going to happen. Um, so Robin goes, you know, I've decided, I think I want zero kids. And I'm just like, good for you, Robin. I'm, I'm down with you on that one. Yeah, um, and, and she, the way she says, she says, not everybody, not everybody is as much of a woman as you are, Ted. Right. He's like, are you sure you don't want, yeah, you sure you want kids? So she pulls up in front of McLaren's, and he's, like, going to get out, and she goes, well, I can see you've had a rough night, so I'm going to do you a favor and or something. And she goes, he goes, are you going to take off your hat? And she goes, well, no, I was going to flash you, but if that's what, that's what you want. If that's what you want. So she, she takes off her hat, and sure enough, it's terrible. It looks like someone did the thing where you pull the hair through the cap and then put that bleach on it. Like, it's so streaky, and they're really tiny like tiny streaks of blonde hair it's so 90s in 2006 that it, it's no it's painful it's bad 90s 
It hurts so bad. It hurts my soul. And you know that if that was real, her hair is fried. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So she goes to leave, and the music cues up in the background, which it's it's a song called Mother of Pearl. And it's on the How I Met Your Music, like, soundtrack on Spotify. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. And I do recommend people go listen to it because it's just beautiful. But Ted hesitates. And he flashes forward to him marrying this perfect girl, but he hasn't met her yet. And so her veil's over. Mm -hmm. But he looks out into the the crowd that's there and Robin sitting next to Lily and Robin kind of smiles at him but then you know and you can start to see Robin tear up and then Ted is like oh my god you know he has this like moment and we don't see like we kind of see him turn around so I had two trains of thought Mm -hmm. the first one was this was him in the moment saying I could go on this quote unquote blind date but I also still have feelings for Rob. I don't think it plays so much into the mother aspect. I think it very much has to do with the person that he bailed on tonight. Mm-hmm. I I think it's very singular because, I mean, he flashed on her with a dog and her with a this. And I think all of that was his envisionment of her, which is why we don't see a face. Mm-hmm. And then I think this wedding scene was him in this moment saying, I think I want to try it again with Robin. Not bigger picture right. mother Robin Sitch. Right. So he, he goes upstairs. Marshall's telling Lily about the mice and how Butterfield's going to open this box and there's going to be a hundred mice loose in his office, etc. Um, Ted walks over and asks Lily if she got the milk, um, which in this context is the art interview. No, she- the art scholarship like if she got the position or not wait so that was my question she says yes Mm -hmm. and then he goes do you want to drink the milk and she says nope i'm good Mm -hmm. so before we we've already talked about spoilers she hasn't gotten it yet or wait because it's going to come up in the next episode so this, the art interview and, and the acceptance or offering of the fellowship is the catalyst for the next episode. So right. I'm still, so let's, let's put a pin in this. Let's put it in the parking lot. And remember that when we talk about this next week, we need to come back to this conversation because I think it's going to. Wait, are you saying that, because I, I, I don't remember a ton of How I Met Your Mother like I remember Friends. Right. So for me, when I watch the episode for us to record, it's like a refresher. So are you saying that in the next episode she actually accepts? Because I think I think what the milk represents is the position. Okay. That she actually so, did get it, but she's not going to accept it. Yes. Okay. Okay. But like every woman in the entire world, she has full within her rights to change her mind right however she is in a relationship should be talk- um, whatever i've beat that dead horse yeah fine um i so feel I like people think- watching this for the first time though if you didn't know what's going to happen in the next episode would have found this exchange a little confusing because 
she was just going for the interview, they would not have made the decision that same time. They would have interviewed her and then either offered it to her via like letter or phone call in the weeks to come. Maybe. I mean, you're not necessarily wrong. I've never applied for anything like that. I feel but I've like been... treat it like a job interview. They're not going to offer it to you. I've been job offered on the spot. Yeah. I was job offered for Target in that like same conversation. Yeah. I went and did my drug test that afternoon. Yeah, I've so, only been offered I mean, one. Not, yeah. Okay. It, it's not impossible, but okay. And, you know, maybe it's so close that, I, I don't know, but I tr- I feel like the milk represents the actual position. Okay. Like the, the slot at the um, art fellowship. Okay. Um, so... Their, you know, their code for milk is so good that Marshall's like, hey guys, I know milk is great. It's got vitamin D and calcium, but Ted, how was your date? <laughs> like, he doesn't get that they're talking in code about something that's not milk. What? I can't see that. Allison, Allison says Best Buy offered me the job at the very end of our interview. She can hear me through the door. I was just going to say, can Hey, Allison. Hi, Allison. To get an inter- um, get an interview and get confirmation in that moment. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, he says he didn't go. She's perfect, but basically she's not Robin, and I want to try again. And Marshall loses it. And Marshall's not one for yelling, and he's not really, like, yelling, but, but he is. And he's like, it's a mistake, and blah, blah, blah. And, and he looks at Lily, and he says, it's a mistake I have to make. And, um... But, again, Marshall freaks out. Is like, no, don't do this, man. Like, we can't go through this again, and you can't go through this again. And so it fades away, and it cuts to Barney's office, and there's a hole chewed through the box, and the mice are all over him. And the end of the episode. I do not love the Ted and Robin mistake continuation story even though I've actually been there in my own life yeah you make a mistake once or twice I don't know so could I mean so the thing is is like I feel like Ted is kind of seeing Robin the same way we've just seen Rachel see Barry Without them having, like, really dated, but they've been friends for now, you know, almost a year, basically, if you want to, like, kind of put it in the time frame of how seasons last. Right. He finds her very, like, comfortable, and he finds, like, that he gets along with her well. Now, he's missing some key components, and the, I think we've talked about this already, but the ladies over at Hey Beautiful have, you know, talked about this a lot. It's that three-pointed triangle of what you need to make a relationship work which is timing compatibility and um oh shit i just I forgot with chemistry chemistry it's timing well, chemistry okay. hold on tell me the difference between chemistry and compatibility is then well no never mind chemistry is wanting to get down yeah. a bone I just, never, I just said never mind thank you for n- not do you really need me to tell you that no um, because i've had chemistry with people that I was not compatible with. 
true story. Um, like actual dumb as rocks. Yes. Okay. Where, hold on, I can't, I thought they had, they, I swear they put it up on timeline photos. I'm playing on their Facebook really fast, but I feel like mm, Facebook and I are having a little disagreement right now. Might be on their Insta, but they've talked about it before because obviously like they're, I think they're into season three right now and you know, they have feelings about Ted and Robin and the problem is, is that for all the things that they get along with here it is yep chemistry compatibility and timing hmm. they have the chemistry their timing is pretty shitty but their Super compatibility shitty. is not right now right in this moment where they both are is not good not even a little bit no. she's like i want zero kids he says i want two i want to be married she says i want to do this career thing mm-hmm. none no, it's pretty like, bad. If they were a Venn diagram, they would be circles next to each other. Not crossing over at all? Well, they have some mutual friends, but that's it. Right. So, with that being the end of this episode, um, I will tell you right off the bat, I don't have a friend of the day. I kind of don't either. Um, I feel like... For Friends, it was, again, a ensemble episode where really only Ross and Monica had major drama and Joey's was very minor and Phoebe and Chandler were supporting. So I will say that with this episode of Friends and actually also this episode of of Him Yet, well, more Friends, Monica fits my word... Because she was saying yes to a bunch of stuff that she was not, that was out out of her comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So if I were to make it personal like that, I would say, you know, Monica for trying new things Mm -hmm. that she paid for. (laughs) Um, And I I guess in a certain sense, Lily is also trying something Mm -hmm. different. So a little bit the same. Um, she's also trying to say yes, but she's trying to say yes to everything. Right. Which you can't do. No, you absolutely can't do. And, um, Monica's, Monica's kind of saying yes to things in a detrimental way, like by someone else forcing her to do it instead Mm -hmm. of her except, you know, like I want to try this, but often we are forced by our friends or other circumstances. I mean, we've talked about this before. Barney tends to force them to do things that in the long run might be good but in the moment you're just kind of like Barney what are you doing um no I like both of those I feel like maybe we could be more inclusive of our friend of the day doesn't necessarily have to be someone who did something for someone else but for themselves oh yeah well I didn't know that we I don't think we ever really put like true definitions of why we right it's just I think we've always kind of just picked somebody that sparked us right spark joy spark joy um, um, I've been watching that. Nice. I've been watching Tidying Up. Um, you know, both Ted and Robin are, are good 
to whoever is asking them for help in this episode. Like, Ted rescues oh, Lily, yeah. Robin rescues Ted, etc. But Ted is not being a good, he's not being a good friend to anybody in this episode. I mean, I'm, I kind of get irritated with him for telling Lily, like, marry your best friend and just get over it. Like, don't make this mistake. But, you know, he's also the kind of guy who wants his life he has his life mapped out or what he thinks it's going to be and it's not working out that way. Lily doesn't have her life mapped out and wants to get, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're like ships she wants passing. To put some of her own, yeah. She wants to put some of her own milestone markers yeah. on paper. Yeah. And Ted's got these milestone markers and he's not meeting them. Yeah. Which, been there. Been <laughs> there right now. Right. Um, but I, I just, the more I rewatch these shows, the less I like Ted and Ross. Oh, somebody asked that on one of those groups that I'm in that was basically like, why does everyone hate Ross so much? And, you know, the thing is, is that, like, it's not that I hate Ross no. as, like, a an overarching character, and same with Ted, but... Um, I feel like they, they each do things that mm-hmm. you are like, did I not recognize when I first watched the show that you're kind of a terrible person sometimes? Yeah. That like, they are the ones who come in thinking that they know everything and they have their life's, their life figured out or how it should be. Right. And then it just implodes. Yes. And so watching someone from a place of stress like that, they can tend to be kind of shitty people. Oh, yeah. And, and I get that. I mean, I'm maybe I'm a shitty person right now because I'm dealing with my own, right? like, stress. And I haven't reached out to friends. And I haven't... I haven't... I have not been a good friend lately. And I can recognize that. But I also don't want to necessarily reach out and as much as I care about what's going on in everybody's lives, like, I just, I don't have anything to share necessarily, and I don't want to share negativity. Yeah. And so I feel like I've been kind of, like, putting connections on the back burner. Yeah. Which is shitty. Well, no, but it's okay, because we've talked about this before, and, um, you know, there's a, there's asking for help when you need it. There's also being on your own when you need it, when you just can't have like either other people around you or, you know, help them. Um, I think we're all deficient in explaining that to people more often where saying, Hey, I'm going through something really terrible right now. And I want to be available for you for your also terrible things. But I need you to understand that like my mental health cannot, cannot handle that. Um, yeah, it's, pretty funny because every now and then my mom tells me that I'm a really selfish person and I'm just kind of like selfish or self-preservation like you know it's just funny because she jokes with me that yeah my mom likes to mess with me sometimes but um no I've been thinking about that because obviously you and I were talking about it with talking about moving and having some people reach out to me and say well why are you moving and I didn't feel like I wanted to go through multiple conversations explaining to people that um there's something lacking in my life in Portland right now and so I'm hoping to maybe find it or 
figure it out by coming back to Bend. And so right. um, it was a lot of like, you know, it was that realization of we put on a happy face on social media. Can you imagine? Can, okay, let's let's think about it from this way. Both our shows deal with people who are able to talk about their feelings in a place before social media. Like, later in Himium, they joke about, like, somebody's parents asking them to be Facebook friends. But can you imagine if Ross was a real person who was putting this stuff on social media every day? He wouldn't have any friends. So, I uh, I actually, I just unfollowed, uh, or no, I unfriended a cousin because of some of the things that they put on. Like, I get it. Nobody wants to see the negative, and that's fine. I understand that. But... In this time of social media, we've lost that core group. Mm -hmm. Like, I I mean, I I had a dozen really good, strong friends, and then I decided to move 900 miles away. I met some other really cool, amazing people here, and, like, I still don't have that strong... We're not getting together, you know, once a week for lunch or brunch or whatever. Like, we don't have what Himium, Friends, Sex and the City, all of those shows portrayed because that's what real life was. Right. There, and I mean, I there's think... still, there romanticized versions of what oh, totally. friend groups I'm, I'm do. Absolutely not saying it's realistic, but, like, I just, I remember we would go, we would go to Chili's. We would just go to Chili's mm-hmm. for dinner, and, like, once every two weeks, I was with six to ten of my closest friends yeah and that doesn't happen anymore and I understand that there are a lot of factors in that and I'm not blaming social media you know I I moved we're all in different phases of our lives they're married they've got kids like life happens but I don't think that I'm necessarily making enough of an effort in this moment for myself and I you know we just Again, not blaming social media, but we all go to social media to see and catch up. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have anything positive to share, like, what do you want to, you don't want to say anything. Yeah. And then you just see the scroll. And again, I know it's not all black and white, good and bad, whatever. But it, it is really hard to live in this time where social media is so present, I, I, um, I was reading, I was reading Facebook and somebody posted and they're like a teacher and they said, Oh, every time my student's phone dinged, I let them see what the notification was. And then they had to go up to the board and put like a tally mark under what thing it was, text message, Facebook, Snapchat, blah, 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 all the things. And there was just this whiteboard covered in tally marks. And I get that the teacher was like, well, this is how many times all of your phones have gone off and this is a a distraction and I'm not able to give my lesson plan. But also that translates to us as adults when we're at work, Mm -hmm. when we're trying to have a dinner with our partner, when we are trying to have those girlfriend times, everything else is happening around us. And it's just, it's not the same as it was in the early 2000s or the 90s and TV has always been unrealistic. I get it. But I just, I remember actually having all of those core people. Yeah. So. No, I, uh, 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe the, I'm hoping it swings back again. You know, people are getting irritated enough with social media and they want to talk to their friends, which, by the way, is one of the reasons I do actually like doing Marco Polo again. Yeah. Um, because it gives you a chance to actually say the things and not have to be like, oh, man, how do I type this into a, a text message that's not going to blow up your phone or a Facebook message that's going to be, you know, a half a page long. Like, if you can spare me five minutes, I'd rather send you a Marco Polo with me right. actually just kind of talking out what is going on in my head right at that moment. So, um, and then you I can really just, like that. yeah, you can listen to it later. You can respond to it or you can say, hey, I didn't get a chance to listen to it. Is there something going on like that you need my help with immediately? Like, you yeah. know, you still send those text messages and whatnot. But no, I agree. Like it's been, yeah. And especially when you like, when you leave a job that you were friends with people at and then you don't, you know, so you only keep up with them over social media or like my school friends, you know, I was hoping to yeah. really keep quite a few of those as like close people and it seems like once we don't have the thing in common of school anymore like we see each other at networking events and whatnot but we don't really hang out and it's a bummer I think unfortunately with how busy life gets as an adult you don't hang out you just don't no it's really hard to we a lot of my friends and I we end up hanging out and working on like working yep. on our websites together you and me even like we work yeah. on business related things we work on um you know resumes we work on things where we're like I need to apply for this job and I'd love for your help in kind of explaining how I do what I do and um you know obviously living with Allison has been different because we do have a lot more time where we can just be like I'm gonna watch this stupid show and we're not gonna talk about anything else like yeah, yeah. We can talk about friends and how I met your mother. Um, I will tell you, though, that we you're going to have to give it a try with me if you haven't already, but the show Letter Kenny. No. Just one episode? It's, no, I've already, I've already done one episode. Did you? I laughed so hard, and I was not even stoned. I was just going to say maybe I wasn't stoned enough. <laughs> we can work on that. It's not funny. I thought it was so funny. It's not and then it, although in all fairness i also don't really like south park so it's that it's same very south of, park yep yeah yeah um that humor doesn't necessarily translate to me yeah and so. i love south park i mean south park's super inappropriate and there are times I've even when I'm i like, laugh and i'm just like i'm laughing at something that's really awful so so trevor and i can have south park nights when you're doing yeah. something else Totally. And I'm down with that. Park nights and I will sit in the bathtub with wine. Yay! And the cat. Um, Everybody wins. Oh, so a part, okay, so we were watching this show, this is getting ridiculously long, maybe I'll just tell you off the air. I think we should. Um, okay. I think that I would love to hear other, um, our fans' shows that they think that maybe we should watch, because as you know, we, like, I love The Office, um, I don't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, but I'm always looking for shows to maybe check out in my oh, spare yeah. time. Um, I, I, would like, I would like some recommendations. Yeah. And not even just shows. Like, I, if you want to tell me a movie, because that's easier, that's easier for me to get my partner to agree to. True. Um, because, you know, once you're committed to a show, you're committed. But if you just watch a movie, that's different. So I'm open to all kinds of recommendations. 
for sure. And obviously, along with the recommendations of shows, movies, or podcasts that you're interested in, we would love it if you would give our show as a recommendation to your other friends by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or any other app. I think you can do it on Stitcher. Um, or shooting us a uh, rating and review on um, our Facebook page. You can do that because you can rate. It's like a business page, so you can rate that. Yep. But we should wrap it up. Um, we hope everybody listened to our bonus episode that came out before this one because it's pretty funny and we talk a lot about high school and um, how it's possible I'm still stuck in high school. No, it's not true. Sometimes. Sometimes. I had a lot of fun in high school. Um, I did. I had a lot of fun in high school. We would love it if you followed us on social media. Um, we always respond to comments. I love an Instagram comment. Um, oh, one of our Instagram followers today let me know that he got to meet Allison Hannigan this weekend, and I just about died. So JP, or John, who lives in Portland, he's one of our followers, he went to Wizard World this weekend here in Portland, and I knew she was going to be there, but I knew we couldn't go, but he got to meet right. Allison Hannigan. So um, ah. I said, I bet she was delightful, because she is delightful. She um, is so follow us on social media, um, tweet at us, Instagram, anything you want, or send us uh, an email at howimetyourfriendspod at gmail.com. And next week, episode 22, will be our last Hymnium episode. Um, we have three Friends episodes to go, so we'll let you know next week how we're going to handle that when there's no accompanying um, How I Met Your Mother episode, but we've got a plan. And then um, we're going to do some fun stuff to recap season one for both shows. We might play a little bit of trivia, and then we're going to take a very short break. Um, well, Julie moves. Yeah, we'll get it taken care of. So um, if there's nothing else from you, Kathleen, I think that's it. I'm good with that for tonight. All right. Well, until next week, everybody, have a good week, and bye!